Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's podcast is sponsored by The Morning Navigator, a daily newsletter written by Tony Greer, who is a 30-year veteran trader in the financial markets. I think it's important to be responsible with your personal finances and investments, and it's hard to do that without understanding the markets. Now, this is where The Morning Navigator fills a specific need for me. If you're looking for actionable trade ideas or simply to educate yourself about the markets, then The Morning Navigator will help you to do both. It's an interesting, informative, and amusing daily read. Now, a subscription to The Morning Navigator normally costs $60 a month or $650 per year. However, my listeners can go to tgmacro.com, sign up for a free one-week trial, and apply the code ZUBY, Z-U-B-Y, at checkout for a discount of either $10 off the $60 a month subscription or $100 off the $650 annual subscription. As you can infer, the annual subscription is a better deal. Either one is a win when it comes to understanding the global markets and managing your personal investments. So once again, you can sign up today for a free trial at tgmacro.com. tgmacro.com. Go check it out. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a bang, click and I bang. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Now, on today's episode, we have got on my favorite Australian comedian. He is a stand-up comic. He is a YouTube sensation with over 1 million subscribers and a massive following across social media. He is a very funny guy. He is a huge fan of feminism, an advocate for veganism, and he's actually got a superior beard to me which is um you know quite the feat and this is of course the one and only isaac butterfield welcome to the show man hello hello ladies and gentlemen it's great to finally be here after <laughs> months and months of turmoil trying to get this to happen we're here we did it probably shouldn't hit the i probably shouldn't hit the table the internet's <laughs> terrible in australia it's going to drop out <laughs> any second but uh, thanks for having me on brother this is fantastic that that's absolutely a pleasure, man. It's my pleasure. I've been wanting to get you on this for a while. So I've done um, a brief intro there. You know, I, I, what did you think of the intro? First of all, how was that? Uh, I don't think it was long enough, uh, to be honest. Okay. I think there was okay. a few things you could have thrown in there. Uh, I am, I am extremely, uh, you know, well-rounded in the, in the world of, I don't know, I'm talking absolute <laughs> garbage. Um, no, mate, I, I, if you don't know who I am, uh, shame on you, of, of course, but uh, I'm a comedian uh, from Australia. Uh, I started out uh, doing stand-up about six years ago. And sort of noticed that there was a there was a trend in the Australian comedy community where they don't really take on comics into their realm if they cover topics that are seen as a, as a faux pas or as offensive or or something like that. So I, I did struggle in the beginning to sort of. Uh, reach the potential that I thought I possibly could have, and uh, it wasn't only it wasn't until I met a few people in the internet game 
I started to think to myself, okay, these guys who I'm opening for, they've got big followings and, and, and they make videos and that's how they sort of uh, reach this level where they can have their own audience. So why don't I do the same thing? And, mm. and I did that for, for a number of months. I think it was about 12 months. I released uh, two videos on different topics, everything from coriander to, to cyclists and vegans and feminists. And it took me about a year to reach a thousand subscribers or so. Okay. And then, uh, and then from there it, it, it exploded and I'm now, I'm, you know, I'm not counting, but 1.265 million. Awesome, man. Well, I've been, I think I've been there since about, hmm, I want to say maybe around half a million. Oh. Stop it. around half a million. <laughs> but um, it's been it's been crazy, man. It's been so ridiculous. You know, yeah. like it's such an amazing way to reach so many people. And I'm sure you found the same thing where, you know, you have these opinions, you have these thoughts, you have these theories in your own mind that you that you dabble with and you, and you probably you drive in your car or whatever and you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you put them out there and all of a sudden people can relate to them. There must be it's such a strange feeling. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's weird it's kind of weird getting used to people caring about what you think. Cause you go from the, mm. you, you know, that's the thing with growing online is you, you go from this level of, okay, you know, you're putting stuff out there and you're talking and it doesn't really matter cause no one really cares about what you're saying. So there's not that much of a response to it, either positive or negative. It's just like, whatever. And then suddenly it's like, Oh wow. Every time you speak, you're speaking to an entire city. You've got more followers than, are in some entire countries, right? It's like some countries don't have a million plus people in them, right? Well, with Australia right now, there is 26 million people here. Okay. So for me, basically the, the vast majority of my audience is Australian uh, and it's starting to sort of disperse into other countries now. But uh, in Australia, there's 26 million people. So you know, basically one in 26 people in this country that I'm in right now uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. That's so, you insane. know, you walk down the street, that's a lot of people. Yeah. Because, in, you know, if you're in LA, in the greater California area, I believe there's 40 million people, almost double the Australian population. Mm-hmm. And then, and that's why there's these YouTubers, these, these, uh, these TikTok people over there with, you know, 20 million plus subscribers. Yeah. Um, and I'm, the Logan, like? I'm the Logan Paul of Australia, mate. Oh, hey, man, I'm smashing me. it. What's that like for you in real life? I mean, what's that like on the ground? Because it's one thing, you know, seeing the numbers online and, we all become a little bit desensitized to just seeing big numbers yes. on the internet. But when you're actually on the street at ground level, when you're in public, when you're doing events, when you're just going around your daily business, what's that like for you now in Australia? Well, the growth has been, it's been tangible in every faction of my life. So once I started to grow on YouTube, I started to grow with the numbers it shows. Mm-hmm. And for example, uh, at the end of last year, I did a show in Sydney at a, at a theater called the Enmore Theater. And, you know, the Rolling Stones have played there. This is the, wow. one of the premier venues in Sydney. It holds 2,000 people and we were able to sell it out. Amazing. Uh, and when I say we, I mean like my, my team that helps me and, and, and myself. I was the guy on stage. And, uh, you know, four years earlier, I was doing a show in Sydney around the similar time of year. And no one knew who I was and I did a show to two people. Yeah. So that growth is is tangible, as I said, with the growth uh, online. And mate, I, I live in a place called Newcastle, which is about two hours north of Sydney, and it is so relaxed here. No one really cares who you are. You know, I get I get you know maybe three or four people when I go to the shops. Uh, I go and get groceries or whatever. They come up and they want to get a photo. Always polite. Never yeah. anything negative. I've never had anything negative in real life. Awesome. One bloke called me a racist and tried to punch on me at an ATM. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> These things happen in Australia. It's a commonplace. Yeah, uh, it's like a Monday night. I'm pretty sure I just have a steak dinner. <laughs> but anyway. Um, <laughs> but but it's, it's, it's just great. And, and the way that it sort of works for me is uh, where I am in the country, I fly wherever I need to go to Melbourne, to Sydney, to Brisbane, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I come back to Newcastle and, you know, there's no traffic. There's no one freaking out. It's a casual beach community. It's a large town, but it's like a country town. And it's just a nice place to reset where it's not like the Gold Coast where everyone's got fake boobs and, and, and melatan and everyone's trying to, you know, you've got people of my colour trying to look Sudanese. It's like, what are you trying to prove? <laughs> I know if you're if you're if you're a, if you're a black man, your abs look better. But come on, dude, we know you're white. <laughs> like I'm the whitest man alive, mate. I you, you high beam in your car, I burn. It's bad, but um, but yes, no, it's it, it's great where I live. I love it. 
That's very awesome, good. Man. It's like a little, like, like a little man, man cave, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to know a little bit more about your, your background. So I take it you grew up, you grew up in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, uh, I, up until last year when I did a tour of the UK, I hadn't left the country. Oh, you hadn't left. Oh, okay. Okay. No, no. So I hadn't left up until about, uh, I think it was August or so last year that I, that I left and came over and did some shows in Scotland, uh, uh, Ireland and, uh, and, and, uh, England as well. And, and, that was an amazing experience for me, but uh, no, born and bred here and in, in the mm-hmm. great land and um, where, where your people sent all the, all the thieves <laughs> to back in the day, <laughs> bloody English. Um, <laughs> and um, man, I, I just, I just thoroughly enjoy it here. I mean, I've been to some great parts of the world now, but I, I thoroughly enjoy it here. And, and it's, uh, I started off uh, with basically a sporting background. My okay. old man played rugby uh, for the local team here and, and so when I say local team, it was like in the big competition, like yeah, the Premier yeah. League in, in the UK, you know. So he played for Newcastle, the Newcastle Knights. And so I went basically into that sporting realm where, you know, I was at training with him every day because it was a professional football. I was at training with him every day. Mm-hmm. I was growing up around that and that's all I wanted to do. So I played that sport for about 17 years and I got to the age of probably about 14, 15, uh, very overweight and realised I'm probably not going to make it. I may as well become a comedian. Uh, and, um, <laughs> and I just, and, and from there, you know, one thing leads to another, but mate, I, you know, back in the day at school, I was hosting, uh, the assemblies and talent shows and all that type of stuff okay. in primary school in, in grade three, you know, so for a long time, it was all about presenting and, and cracking mm-hmm. jokes and all that type of stuff. And, and even then I got detention for making a gay joke in like year three and like, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a terrible one, you know, and, and, hold, and even then the Oscars, saying man. things. You're never going to get no, to I'm the gone. Oscars. I'm gone. Yeah. I'm they'll, gone. They'll dig that up. Don't worry. And I said something about the Holocaust last year. I'm out of Hollywood. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> oh boy. But in a nice, in a nice way. It's yeah. actually about vegans, but it got construed. <laughs> anyway, you get that on the big jobs. That, that's, that's fair game. So, yeah, man. So, I mean, what made you want to get into comedy? Because that is it's not a typical path. You know, I'm a musician. I haven't taken a typical path either, but what was it that drew you specifically to stand up comedy? I always enjoyed making jokes and it's how I sort of developed a personality. But also when I left school, mate, I didn't want to get a real job. I hated working. It was awful. Oh God. I whinged and moaned. It was just the worst thing in my existence. Where did you work? Um, I worked as a storeman. I used to box up, uh, different supplies for a mining company. Okay. Uh, I worked. What else did I do? I used to sell shower screens, uh, which was okay. one of my one of my more favourite jobs. I used to deliver pizzas, which is actually one of my favourite jobs I I ever did. Uh, I used to work with kids who had been removed from their homes. I used to work with uh, disabled people. I used to do a lot of different things, you know. Uh, but but I thoroughly enjoy this, and mm-hmm. um, I think, and I've always said this to people: if I didn't have those jobs at the start, so I'm I'm nearly twenty seven. And I had these, if I didn't have these jobs at the start and, and knew what a hard works, a whole hard week of work was like, like when mm-hmm. I was, I was doing landscaping for about six months, one summer, if I didn't know what it was like to, to bust uh, your backside for, you know, 40 hours a week in the, in the, in the 40 degrees Australian summer, you know, I don't think I would put as much effort into what I do now and treat it like a job, a career and a business uh, in the way I do now, because I, I just think that uh, like, I see a lot of people who are 20, 19, 18 that want to do YouTube. They want to be a comedian. They see this, they see it as the path and they just don't treat it with respect. And I think yeah. you have to treat it with some, some sense of respect. And it's the same with the music game. You've got to okay. hustle, you've got to grind, you've got to be writing, you've got to be Eminem on the bus, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to be working. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the, the thing with all of these things, I mean, that's why when I, when I interview people in different sectors, I like to, I like to rewind and go back a little bit because it's very easy for you know someone to go and google you now and they search for your name on youtube and they just see oh wow this guy's got 1.2 million subscribers he's this he's that right people just see the tip of the iceberg but all of the effort that goes into it prior is mostly hidden it's mostly invisible whenever people first hear about you they sort of assume that you've just recently come along and i mean it really struck me when you said it took you one year to get to your first 1000 subscribers on YouTube. And just that in itself 
I think is something that w- would shock a lot of people, right? Because people are going to think, oh, you know, it just, you, ju- you just start and it just takes off and people just don't see all this hustle. I mean, I used to go, I used to, for years, I used to sell my CDs on the street. That was the prime way I built up my audience. I travel all over the UK with my backpack, my MP3 player, my headphones, and I would just talk to literally, quite literally hundreds of thousands of people. And I sold over 20,000 albums, CDs, physical wow. CDs out of my backpack in, I think I've been to about 50 to 60 different cities in the UK, just out there on the street, talking to people in the rain, in the snow, in the sun, whatever weather, just going out there selling, you know, 15, 20, 30 on a really good day. I might sell 40 CDs in a day. And that was my life from like 2011 up to about 2017. Uh, That's literally pretty much what I was doing. And, um, you know, pe- people who met me at that time remember that, but so many people who have just discovered me recently, they're like, oh, this guy just sort of came along and he just made a couple of silly tweets. And now, you know, he thinks you're an popular. overnight success. Yeah, you know, it's like, and I'm like, dude, you, you totally missed everything before that. You do. And, and I think that that is such a, a common thing you see, particularly in the music field or uh, probably acting as well. Anything mm. to do that is out of the ordinary. I mean, but even normal jobs, you know, there's entry yeah. level positions for everything. And I think that particularly with young people or people who refuse to sort of uh, grasp the idea that you need to work on something mm. and that you, particularly with young people, like these young guys that I'm talking about, I won't mention their names, but they're just sort of in this moment where they're getting a little bit of success, but it is fleeting yeah. and it will leave you unless you try and really run with it, work on yourself and, you need to be constantly moving with the times and particularly in stand-up, you need to be reinventing yourself. You need to be turning up with a new show. Every year I have to have a new show ready, a new hour, basically in music terms, a new album, you know, ready to go. That's punchy. That's, 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 you know, hard hitting. That's, uh, that's this, that, and the other. And, and that's something that you don't really get used to, but it, it is, it is, it's challenging. It's exciting. It's like, it's like training, you know, you, you want to get better at the bench press. You don't just start benching a hundred kilos. You got no. to start, start low, work on your form, make sure you, all your little muscles are all firing at the same time. And then eventually in two years, you might be uh, hitting, hitting decent numbers. But yeah, man. I think so many people are so short sighted when it comes to that. And it is, it is frustrating, uh, I guess, for a lot of parents who, who have worked hard or more mm. older members or even people like you and me who are, who aren't at the position where we want to be. We have goals where we want to grow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm certainly not um, where I, I want to be. I want to just keep growing and keep growing and build. And um, and not not one of those people that say build an empire. I find the people that say build an empire are just selling soy candles at the markets <laughs> on a Sunday. But but <laughs> um, but really really build something, you know, and, yeah. and give it a good old good old crack. So um, yeah, mate. It's I mean all the credit to you for what you did. That's insane. To Thank go you, out bro. there and actually grind like that—that's that's madness. Yeah, but that's what it takes. Whatever, whatever way you can find. Yeah, yeah. No, trust me. I had many moments where I was questioning what I was doing, especially because, you know, before that, I mean, I used to work in the corporate world for three years. This is another thing, like a lot of people don't know. So I was a, you know, I came out of, I, I graduated from Oxford University, degree in computer science, worked in the corporate world for three years. I was, I was on a trajectory you know, on that trajectory, which is like, okay, cool. My life can be comfortable and secure and everything. Now, 2011, I was like, you know what? This isn't, this isn't what I want to do for my life. This is just not what I want to do. And I, I left it. I went and pursued my music full time and hit the street. So, so like to a lot of people, it's like, some people are like, are you insane? Are you crazy? Like, what, what on earth are you doing? Right. But for me, it was like, man, I don't want to be that guy who in 15, 20, 30 years time is looking back at my life and just thinking, oh, why didn't I, uh, why didn't I go out there and do what I really, what I really wanted to do? I think you hear a lot of people talk about regret yeah. in their lives. And that's something that, that, that I fear is, mm. is regretting, um, regretting not doing something. And, and that's why even this year, you know, I've, I've always been a very scared person. And even scared this year, person. I, I just scared of things. Even when okay. I was a kid, like my, my old man took me to go to go-karts go in Newcastle here, where it's just go-karts. And, and I cried. <laughs> I cried. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to do that, dad. I'm not doing that. That's terrifying. Yeah. And, and I think back to that and that's just like sort of one, one of the references I can give, but I, like particularly this year, 
uh, the year before doing an Australian tour and last year doing a world tour, mm. uh, I, I got to do things that I never thought I would do before. Like I got to fly in a, in a jet and this dude was doing acrobatic, acrobatic oh, wow. stuff and flying <laughs> and doing flips and Where was going along this that? beachfront. This was in uh, up in North Queensland. Um, I can't remember the name of the town, but a beautiful place beautiful and uh he's going on this beachfront at like 500 kilometers an hour in like on like the side of the plane and we're hitting four or five g's and i'm nearly passing out <laughs> and i'm freaking out and this is the worst thing ever yeah. and i'm like dude you got to stop stop i'm gonna spew in a minute he's doing backflips he's like nah mate you'll be right doing backflips and he said oh mate this is the second plane i've had this year the other one crashed because it hit a drone on he's telling me this while we're flying through the sky oh, wow. like oh my god it's gonna this is it it's all ending yeah and then i i got my phone out to plug my instagram or something because i'm an <laughs> asshole uh, <laughs> and i got to capture some of it which was nice but but doing things like that and, old, and i'm glad i did it but old mate said to me he said hey mate listen when you get out of this plane at the end of it you're gonna love that you did this is going to be a memory you, you remember forever. And I got out of that plane and I said, I'll never do that again. You prick. I'll never, <laughs> never do that. That was the worst thing I have ever done. But, um, but I think it's good to take, take chances and yeah. whether it's with business or career or whatever, or, or just events you're doing. Yeah. I think it's Absolutely. good to take chances. So you were saying that you decided to take the social media and YouTube specifically route because there were certain roadblocks or barriers through the traditional channels. Can you talk a little bit more about that? So to be a successful comedian in Australia for the past 20, 30 years, the only way you do that is you get on channel 10, which is network 10 or whatever they call it now here in Australia. And that's like, they have the comedy festival gala. They have that Mm -hmm. on there once a year and that's where they showcase the best comedians. Now, for a long time, it was just the best comedians. But now, for whatever reason, uh, politics has got involved. You know, there's, mm. there's social justice uh, numbers that has to be hit. You know, there's political mm. correctness that can't be crossed. Mm. And, mate, basically, I was told in, in not so many words that there is enough men. There's enough okay. straight white men. Okay. And I was like, I get what you're saying. It's great to have people from different colors, creeds, religions, but what about poor little old bearded me? <laughs> I want to go at this, you know? And what about who's actually good? Well, that's another thing. That, and that's why you, that's you, you very rarely see Australian comedians do well overseas. Mm. You know, there's Jim Jeffries, uh, Ronnie Chang's doing very well at the moment. But uh, you will struggle to find people who are doing, uh, you know, for, particularly for a, a, a community in Australia that prides themselves on comedians and has done for a long time. Australian comics just don't make it overseas because they're not willing to take the risks that American, that British uh, comics will. Mm. And that's, that's, that's horrifying. Yeah. And that's what I try and do. Okay. At the same time, though, I mean, it's weird. It seems like the Anglosphere in general, the UK, USA, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, this wave of, I don't know exactly what to call it, intersectional, over-politically correct, social justice, some people call it progressive, but it's not really progressive. This whole thing, it's like this weird cloud that especially in the last decade has really sort of settled upon those countries. Lots of other nations seem to be quite unaffected by it, interestingly enough, or certainly not to this degree. So one, where do you think that, where do you think that sort of comes from and where do you think that's going? I mean, now early 2020 i'm starting to see i mean i've been seeing a pushback against it for several years but it seems like that pushback is really starting to gain some momentum i mean you're seeing people from even people in hollywood or comedians certain musicians lots of people are starting to speak out against it and then also even in the world of politics you've got guys like trump winning you've got boris johnson winning part of which i think is a reactionary movement to people just sort of getting tired of this whole um you know white man bad narrative and this whole you can't say this you can't say that narrative and there's just this sort of chill i've spoken to a lot of people especially in the uk and the usa who tell me they just sort of feel this this chill you know everyone's worried about getting cancelled or saying the wrong thing or someone digging up something from the past why do you think these countries have become so susceptible 
to this to the extent that it's affecting something like comedy, which really is comedy should be sort of the bastion for free speech. I mean, that's the one area where you're really supposed to be able to say almost anything as long as it is funny. And even comedy is coming under attack and comedians are being forced to self-censor. So what do you think is at play here? I think you should, as you said, you should absolutely, without a doubt, be able to say anything you want in the endeavor of humor. Mm. Not everything's going to be funny, but as long as you do it for that, and it's not a hateful thing. Yeah. Um, as far as why, I think people genuinely are just bored and they get mm. home and they just need something to take their mind off the sh. I promise Stop. I wouldn't swear. <laughs> of the stuff that's going on. Yeah. How's that for self-censoring? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's something to take their minds off what's going on in their life, you know, and, and, and if it can be ruining someone else's career or life, they have that as a little win that has a little dopamine release and they go to bed slightly happier. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people, and particularly with the Australian comedy industry, it, it, uh, it, it, dwells in Melbourne and in Victoria where that government, that particular state government is passing a lot of legislation to do with gender laws and, mm. and even uh, more Southern than that, Tasmania has removed gender from the, the birth certificate and, and things like that. But you look they've at, removed it from, yeah. Ooh, they've yeah. removed it from oh. the birth certificate completely. Yeah. Yeah. This, did you have a boy or a girl? <laughs> Who knows? Whoa. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Maybe you guys are further along than we are. Oh, mate, there are places, and that's that's South. Okay, so yeah. basically the spectrum of politics, left and right, can almost can be measured on a map of Australia. Okay. You've got down the bottom of Australia, you've got Tasmania, which is very left, mm-hmm. and up the top of Australia, you've got just, I'm not, I don't want to offend people in the top of Australia, <laughs> but supremacists. <laughs> <laughs> not all of them, not all of them. Yeah. But, but if I, if I, in a show, if I, in a show, bring up, so I'm in Tasmania and I bring up, I say, let's talk about the Muslim religion. You know, a few people go, oh, this would be interesting. And if mm-hmm. you go up to like Brisbane, which is up North in Australia, you say, let's talk about the Muslim religion and they stand and cheer. Um, it's, it's terrifying. Okay. But um, they, yeah, they just, they, they're, they're bogans. Yeah, That's yeah. what they are. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the chavs of Australia. Um <laughs> Um, but yeah, and, and, and it does sort of stem from that where you've got these people who refuse to refuse to listen to anyone else, refuse to acknowledge that some people are just joking. Some people are just, um, like people say to me, oh, that was offensive. What you said, I said, yes, that's the point. Yeah. That's why I said it. Yeah. You know, that's what I find funny. I like people like, (laughs) for example, Jimmy Carr, Frankie Boyle, these type of comics, you know, who will say absolutely anything to get a laugh and they walk off stage and then bam straight back to normal life. Yeah. This is a character. When you walk on stage, it's a, it's a performance. It's not a conversation. I'm not a uni lecturer. Mm-hmm. All right? I'm, not, I'm not a person in government. If I was a person <laughs> in government and I went on and said some of the horrible things that I say on stage, okay, I, I understand why you have beef with me. Yeah. But when you go on there and, you, and you're on stage and you're trying to just make people laugh, it, it's crazy to see some of the people that freak out. But um, why? I just, I don't know. I just think... Mm. Australia follows American and uh, and British the trends. Yes, and they're usually a couple of years behind. Yeah. And this trend of progressivism or whatever ism you want to call it has mm. certainly swept uh, many nations, and it's definitely retreating and receding, mm. um, which is I think is very good. Uh, I think that's what's happened, and it's probably happened uh, throughout history as well. I'm yeah, not a history buff, so. but I'm sure there's. Yeah, there's been many times where this is this is winning, and it's like a horse race. This is winning, mm. this catches up, yeah. and uh, it gets to the point where things are at a parity, and then something takes over, and it comes back. People just—I think it happens with generations too. Mm. You've got uh, generation, what's the the newest one, X or whatever? You know, they're they're looking at the other generation, going, "Geez, you guys are way too progressive. Oh, Calm that's true. down, will yeah, you? Just true. just relax." Yeah. You know, and then the next generation going, hang on, you guys are racist and they try and fix it. <laughs> Overcorrections. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's, I think that's why I think it's just a, a natural thing to do with society and, and mate, it's good for business with people like you and me. Yeah, it's true. Right. It's funny, man. Cause I mean, like I, I don't even swear, right. I'm, I'm probably one of the most in certain ways. I'm like one of the most politically correct people sort of out there. 
And I don't actually have that many opinions that I believe are legitimately in, in a normal world. Very few of my opinions are controversial. You know, if I go, um, I mean, I grew up in the Middle East. I grew up in Saudi Arabia. My family background is from Nigeria. If I go to either of those, if I go to Nigeria and I say, like, I express any of my views, like, you know, no one, no one bats an eyelid. In fact, I'd probably be considered somewhat, somewhat, somewhat liberal there in terms of people's perspectives. But then sort of if I'm in the UK, then I'll say something that's even if something that's just a fact, it's not even an opinion. <laughs> I just, I just state a fact. And yeah. so oh, you know, that's a, that's a bit, what I'm, you know, maybe I say that men and women are different or that I only think there are two genders or that I think sex and gender are the same thing, or I don't think biological men should compete against biological women in sports. Suddenly these are controversial. And I'm like, since when? You know, like, yeah. since, since when are these sort of very basic statements controversial? And it's like, it just sort of turned on its head not so long ago. But also with the power of social media is you have all of these people's opinions that you would yeah, never seek in, in, your, in your existence, true. no matter where yeah. you live in the world. You would never seek these people out and try and say, hey, what do you think, <laughs> Bob24? What do you think, big dog? You'd never think that because you just, you hang around your boys and your mates and whoever. And, and you go, you know, uh, I don't think it's appropriate that a man who decides he's a woman uh, fights another <laughs> woman. And they all go, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, no, yeah. <laughs> but you put that on Twitter and you've got 600 people freaking out and going, Oh my God, I can't believe Zuby's a bigot and Butterfield's a bigot. And oh, it's all, <laughs> mate, it's just this ridiculous, but people also, it's fun. It's sport. It is, yeah. Yeah. You what, know, I'm arguing progressive. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. No, I was going to say, yeah, no, the, the thing that does freak me out though, is when it starts affecting more real life stuff, you know? So the sports one, for example, I mean, that that's impacting people in the real world. They're now letting people, you know, convicted rapists and sexual people who have committed sexual assault are now being able to self-identify as women and get moved into women's prison, right? Like, I am not, I am not a feminist. I have my issues with feminism, right? But there are certain things like I can, I can agree with them. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. this is utterly ridiculous. Like this, this is not about transphobia or bigotry or intolerance. This is just absolute basic common sense that if a man has been convicted of sexually assaulting multiple women, you do not move that individual into a woman's prison. Like how this isn't just, like it, it really disturbs me that you've got politicians in power who, who are proposing this and letting it happen. And you're just like, dude, this is not a left right thing. This is just like rub two brain cells together and you can work out why this is a terrible and dangerous idea. So that's when it really starts to kind of go beyond the sort of online funny stuff of, you know, identifying as an attack helicopter or whatever jokes people want to make. And it's kind of like, oh, wow, okay, this is moving into real world stuff that's actually um, affecting people or when they're doing things like um, these uh, drag queen story hours for like four-year-olds and stuff. I'm like, wait, what are you guys doing here? Like, this, this is crossing a boundary if you want to start injecting children with hormones or putting them on puberty blockers at the age of seven or eight. I'm like, look, no, no, like this is not, this is not right. You know, if you're a grown adult, the, you want to, you know, there's the drag stream, the, the drag, uh, the drag queen story hour. I yeah. covered a video on that. And I basically said, listen, I understand why people are either side. You know, I don't think it's super harmful to kids. I think they're probably just a giggle and, you know, they're not old enough to sort of, why is this man in a dress or whatever? Mm. Until I read in one of the articles that the main drag queen who organized the event in Brisbane, or don't quote me on it, but somewhere, I think it was yeah. Brisbane, her name, his name was Rusty Trombone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, come on, right. change, at least have a kid's day. Yeah, like you know, if anyone doesn't know what a rusty trombone is, please Google it now. Yeah, please don't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's an an instrument that hasn't been well maintained. What's maintained? Don't worry about that. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, go on. Yeah, no. So, so for me, that yeah, that's um, you know, it's easy to to laugh at some of the weird social justice nonsense and stuff like that. And but yeah, there are certain things where I'm like, okay, this is really starting to impact people in in the real world or when universities are creating policies and companies are creating policies where 
you know, you, we, we can't promote this person because they're a white male. Or, funnily enough, that's been going on since the, since the 80s, actually. Um, I did an interview with um, Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert. And that was actually one thing that actually uh, caused him to leave the corporate world because at two consecutive companies, he was actually told that he probably wouldn't get promoted because he was a white man. And uh, I think yeah. this, is, this is in the 80s or in the 90s. And, you know, it's weird because you get some people who are like, yeah, well, that's fine. You know, that makes more room for diverse. And I'm like, look, what are, what are your principles here? <laughs> you know, like, are we saying you, you shouldn't racially discriminate or that you should, you know, I don't you like should. this. Whole, yeah. yeah, I don't like this whole, oh, it worked. It's different in this direction. It's okay. It's bad in that direction. Not just bad. It's, it's the worst thing in the world in this direction, but it's totally fine and even good in this other direction. And I'm like, wait. But it's also demeaning. You need special help. It's very demeaning. That's, that's why I, I really don't like it. You know, I would hate to think that I got into, you know, I got into one of the top universities in the world and I would hate to think, I would hate to even have to consider to think, man, did they just like let me in because I needed to, they needed to meet some quota. You know, they just wanted to tick a box of getting enough black guys or whatever. Yeah. You know, I know that's not how um, Oxford specifically does its um, enrollment and chooses who it's accept who it accepts but i know that there are universities especially in the us that do that and i'm like look that is that's offen- that's offensive right that's the bigotry of low expectations that's this lowering the bar for certain people because you know they don't think they have the ability or whatever and i'm like look that's not i, I can i can understand that i think I, I certainly like to think most people have good intentions and i don't think that the goal is to be be <laughs> racist but by definition that's kind of what you're doing in both in both of these directions, whether that's telling a white man that, oh, well, you're a white man, so you can't do this or you can't say this or we can't hire you or you can't get into university or whatever. Or that's going to uh, a black person and or an Asian person or well, for Asians now in the US, right, they're making it harder for them. Um, I don't know. I just. Um, yeah, it swings the like, other way, which is yeah, terrifying. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, look. I don't know. It's so weird. I, to me, this stuff like this seems really commonsensical. <laughs> and, and as someone who doesn't even identify as like a liberal, it almost seems like, well, surely that's what like the liberal position should be. Equality of opportunity, equality of mm. like legitimate fairness, not double standards and triple standards. And we set it for you here and we set it for you there, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, surely that's, surely that's illiberal. You know, why is it the people who are, actually more conservative leaning in lots of cases are the ones who are sort of upholding, you know, what Martin Luther King said. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. I don't know. It's, a, it's yeah. we live in strange times. The, the, uh, the economy and the, uh, the equality of outcome that, that exists in so many places that uh, identify as, as progressive. And, and I find this progressivism is, is almost like the unit eventually expands. It just, they have to keep catching up with it and they yeah. go, oh, hang on. There's, there's too many white people. Now there's too many Asian people. Now there's too many black people. It's like, okay, what are you trying to get? Why don't we just get the best people, yeah. the best minds? Mm. And that's why I'm just thankful there's no World War Three. Yeah. currently going on because it would well actually it would be very interesting to see <laughs> the ranks of constrict of conscription if the australian government said tomorrow listen we need everyone who identifies as a man uh yeah. to turn up uh on, on tuesday <laughs> and you might have rusty trombone uh go on the other i don't know it's yeah. uh it's one of those sort of situations where Maybe it wouldn't happen back in the day because it was too safe. I mean, yeah. sorry, let me say that again. It's because it, it was too dangerous. Yeah. And now it's just too safe. Definitely. I think no, that's you, a you don't have to worry thing. about Yeah, you don't have to worry about a lion or you don't have to worry about someone in most cases, in most cities, you know, there's obviously there's gun crime and the stabbing mm. crime and all that type of stuff, but mostly you're safe. Yeah, yeah. No, in, no, uh, in, it's in the South safest time ever. Oh, definitely, man. I mean, in South America, in Africa, in the Middle East, in most of Asia, there's still only two genders. Yeah, I I did tweet something about that once. That the the number of genders is inversely proportional to the amount of real problems that you have in a country. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Because you start going, you start going. Hang on, what are we going to think about now? <laughs> we, you know, like in Iraq, then America pulls out tomorrow. They're going to go. You know what? I don't feel like a man anymore. <laughs> you know, what? it's it's. What are your pronouns? It's, uh, yeah, it's it's. <laughs> <laughs> death, death to pronouns. Um, it's it's one of those things, Ubi, where it's just 
spend a lot of time on Twitter, as I know you do as well. Sure. And you go on that website, man, and that app on your phone, <laughs> and it is just, it's a brawl. People yeah. just go on to blue. It's crazy. Yeah, I go on there just to find stories for YouTube videos. There's this one uh, feminist uh, in Australia who's quite uh, prominent. Her name's Clementine Ford. Okay. And she refuses. She, she, she's hardcore. She's like, she's tweeted things like kill all men and all oh, these wow, types okay, of things, okay. right? Blames yeah. men for absolutely everything. She yeah. hates blokes, but she's on <laughs> Tinder. Anyway, another story. Um, <clears throat> she's chasing the D, but she hates it. Anyway, um, and I've, I've tried to get her to comment on a lot of things. I've made videos about her. She, will, she goes after everyone else, tries to cancel everyone else <laughs> and will not talk about me and it thoroughly upsets me. That's like I just funny. wanted to write a story about me or something like to the point where I've, I've made a fake relationship status on Twitter with her for about six months. We were married <laughs> and she's still, <laughs> she's still, I'm trying to get her to debate me or something. Um, but, uh, but it's fun. It's fun for me, you know, as yeah. a comic, I'm just looking for material everywhere I go, but I understand what you're saying. This is real life for a lot of people. You don't yeah. get into uni because of your skin color. You don't get this job because of your gender, whatever. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's just, it's just such common sense, as you said, it's so ridiculous. And yet it is our real life in 2020. Yeah. I, oh, dude, I had the funniest one just the other day. I mean, it was just this morning that I realized the person was being serious. So uh, yesterday I, I made a tweet just about, um, it was actually just a very motivational, positive tweet about how everybody has a lot of potential and how it's your ethical duty to attempt to fulfill your potential because then it makes life better for you, for your family, for your community, and thus for the world in general. So every individual, whoever you are, you should try to reach your potential. And um, a woman, a feminist, I, I know this from the bio, right? If once feminist is in the bio, then she, she responded saying, um, this, is, this is ableist. And... I no, she said, do, do you do you recognize that this is ableist? And I wrote yes, thinking she was joking, right? I thought it was like, you know, I I, yeah. I fully thought this was just sarc sarcasm. Sarcasm. So I respond yes, uh, being sarc sarcastic. And then she wrote back something about, you know, um, I don't know, just something very demeaning about how from my position, something about, something about me sort of like looking down on people or something like, I can't remember the exact wording. And it was at that moment, I didn't see that until this morning. And I realized that she was dead serious. And I was like, oh, oh, wait, what? Like, <laughs> I thought this, I thought, I thought like this whole thing was just like a fun loop of sarcasm. And I was like, oh, wow, she's being dead serious. She actually read this tweet and somehow found offense in probably one of the most positive and encouraging things. <laughs> that I've ever I've ever written yeah and then ironically by her suggesting that disabled people don't have potential or shouldn't strive to reach their potential who's the one being ableist <laughs> like, yeah. and you know it's so odd the thing is with this lady is it is that is her real life and and maybe she struggled with something or maybe she has a disability herself, but I know, I know enough disabled people and I'm sure you do too, who've, who've achieved great things in of their course. life. And it doesn't matter what cards you are dealt. There is potential somewhere and it is relative, you know, not every disabled person's going to, well, I was just thinking, uh, run a marathon, but um, one of my one of my mates, uh, a gentleman by the name of Kurt Fernley, has won the New York Marathon several times. He crawled. Uh, there's a place in Papua New Guinea called the Kokoda Trail, okay. a giant trail that was uh, defended by the Australian uh, forces in World War II from the Japanese. And he, this is like this is arduous jungle. Mm. This is full on stuff in the rain and mud, and he crawled it, the whole thing, the whole thing. He'd be a great guest for your podcast. Oh, really? Uh, Kurt Fernley, his name is an absolutely Fernley, lovely yeah. man. And uh, he called his, um, this what's his disability. He was born without the, I think that's the lower, the, basically without his legs uh, okay. from, I think, the pelvis down. Oh, wow. So he was born without that. Wow. And man, just an inspiring human being and just a lovely dude. Yeah. And he doesn't need some woman on Twitter defending him. Yeah, it does not. The weird thing is the initial tweet had nothing to do with, um, I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about this. I wasn't thinking about like abled or disabled people in it. And there was nothing in, in it that even suggested 
that I was, which is why I was so sure that the ableism thing was just a joke. So I, I was legitimately gobsmacked. I had to like yeah. go through it and like, wait, hang on. Like, wait, is she, is this serious? Like, oh, wait, wait, this, this totally changes the whole thing. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes the, we're living in that time though, you know, even when you've got, you know, these satirical news websites like the Onion, yes. the Babylon Bee and stuff like that. It's really getting hard to tell the difference between those and some of the real ones now. Really, really hard. It's just getting so ridiculous. You know, you've oh, got- Especially when they change one letter in the name and you read it, you go, <laughs> what? <laughs> or um, uh, Tatiana McGrath yes. is my favorite. My favorite person <laughs> on Twitter is Tatiana. Um, and, and I sort of, I, I knew about, I knew that it was a joke straight away. Yeah. Well, maybe not straight away, but after, <laughs> after I followed her. And you see people in there and Andrew Doyle's the dude who runs, runs a show there and people are just arguing and they're coming back. And what's the other guy? There's another guy that, that um, I can't remember his name. Uh, it, that's like another parody account. Yeah, the sort of, the sort of back posh and forth. guy. He's a, he's a yeah. Uh, I can't remember his name, but yes, he's got like the band bun and everything. Yes, and yes, yes. he comes in and they argue and you've got, <laughs> you've got, you've got some person like the lady who was arguing with you arguing with, Probably Andrew Doyle on both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just he's just swapping back and forth on accounts, just having the time of his life. As an intelligent person, he's just sitting there going, "Oh, beautiful! This is yeah. exactly what I lived for." Here comes another book. Um, but yeah, man. I, I honestly, I'm not like you. I don't use uh, Twitter to you know uh, try and inspire disabled people. I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, only really use it for material. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you must get a lot from it, though. I'd imagine. Too. So. Must I do, man. I before I go to bed, it's probably a bad thing. But before <laughs> I go to bed, I check it and I, I send myself an email if there's any good links. But uh, but yeah, it's man, it's it's a crazy world out there. And and I I think one of the biggest things to people in your position and, and my position is is don't read the comments. And there's so mm. many. Just mm. negative human beings out there, and yeah. man, if I go a week without a death threat, it's a, it's an it's an off week. I haven't done something right that week, mm. you know. I'm very very used to it now. I mean, here, yeah. So, what's been the? I mean, I see I see some of the responses to your stuff, but and of course, a huge amount of it is positive. I imagine the vast majority is positive. Ninety nine percent. Yeah, but I mean. Is there any particular video or joke you've told on stage or something where like the amount of backlash you received was sort of particularly strong or powerful or maybe they tried to pull the plug on you or something like that? There's a few. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the cyclist community doth not like me. Um, okay. I have these stickers uh, that say the F word and then cyclists and the <laughs> F word, the U in the F word is uh is covered with my logo which is just my head uh, so it is censored um, yeah it's appropriate for this show and okay. uh, basically they're bumper stickers and i've sell i've sold i think maybe eight thousand of those <laughs> they're all over australia but i've also oh got um <laughs> i've also got the f vegan ones and the f soy boys oh, uh, they're another classic um but man i've had cyclists people make videos about me and, and they send me messages and i'm gonna I'm going to stab you and all this type of stuff. <laughs> and there's the vegan community where there's just so many videos from vegans about me on the internet. It's marvelous. Yeah. And as soon, as soon as they reply with something, oh, I've won because I've got another video. <laughs> it's like, come on guys. But the wife and the feminist one, obviously that's another one. I have these newspapers, well not newspapers, just like, you know, fashion magazines and stuff, yeah. writing new articles about. I did. I did I see one of those actually. I did see one. And there, and that's just part and parcel, you know. Like one argued with me about the wage gap and didn't even really argue with it; just said I was yeah. wrong. And yeah, I saw that. Right. that yeah, that tends uh, to be the case, right? Just yeah, say, say the person is wrong, stick a label on them, don't refute any of the points, and assume you've won. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. <laughs> but once again, that magazine, I've got a bigger reach than them now because this is the age of the internet, and they lose. <laughs> Um, yeah. but, but by far last year after the Melbourne comedy festival, there was a joke uh, that I told, which was about vegans. Mm -hmm. And there was a vegan, at, the, the, the bit was, there was a vegan at my show and that person was about, was, was, was saying to me, Hey mate, maybe if you got to know, know me, maybe you'd change your opinions on vegans forever. Mm -hmm. And I, and I said, well, 
that's like a Jewish person turning oh up in Auschwitz in 1942 oh <laughs> and saying, oh well, if you got to know me. Oh, dear. Anyway, <laughs> so that gets reported by one person. Oh, yeah. Man, I had so many Jewish people there at that show. I was, I was, I was bloody... What's the, I was mozzletoffing with all these kids that had just had their, their big their bar mitzvah, right? Yeah. And there was, it was ridiculous. There was about 25 of these Jewish kids. They loved it. But this one lady didn't like it. She reported me to the Anti-Defamation Commission of Australia. Oh, they launched wow. this attack through the media. The crime reporter of the Melbourne Herald Sun wrote this massive hit piece on me. I was in the, uh, the, the, the New York Jewish News and the, the Israel Times wrote a story wow. about me. And then... I mentioned um, in a video that, uh, oh, you know, the Netflix deal's being cut. There was no Netflix deal. Mm, mm. <laughs> so they jumped on that and they were like, his Netflix deal's been cut. I was so reading great. all these things. It's like Australian comedian loses lucrative Netflix deal. Oh, <laughs> and I was reading a comment today. Uh, not to, oh, oh, I was I'm writing a joke about that at the moment yeah. to try and uh, double up next year. So I was looking back <laughs> and I'm just reminiscing. And one of the guys commented about me allegedly having a Netflix deal and some uh, some Jewish man said, they got rid of Daredevil, the TV show for this clown. Uh, but <laughs> man, and that was the biggest one. So all these people came okay. out after me and, and I just, but the reason they came out for me, right, was they said that I said that imagine the joy of the people, the Nazis, when the Jews were led to the gas chambers. That was their quote. Okay. And thankfully I recorded my set that night and I played the actual audio and I was just like, they're full of it. Yeah, it's a yeah, lie. It's yeah, absolutely yeah. wrong. I didn't yeah. say anything like that at all. It's not a Jewish joke. It's a joke about vegans. Yeah. And uh, so I had a lot of Jewish people reach out to me after that. And they just, mm. well, the, the general consensus consensus was, Oh yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that bad at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's the, that's the weirdest thing is when people, that, that that's that's the one thing i really don't like is when people just make stuff up or when people yeah. people quote you quote something you never said right someone just takes yeah. makes up a quote and it's like oh yeah he said this and it's like what when when did i say that i, I i'm starting to get that quite a lot i mean that's those are the ones that frustrate me because that borderlines on sort of slander or libel if you're saying i said something and mm-hmm. I, I didn't say it then I'm like, no, I mean, if, if you disagree with what I actually said, then cool, fine. Like, you know, we can, we can dispute that. The ones I get a lot are because I've, in some big interviews I've done, I've gone against the concept, for example, this is the one that really hypes people up, which is ridiculous, but I, I don't like the term white privilege. And I think it's a very misused and somewhat dangerous and somewhat racist term in multiple directions right because it's so much more it's so much more nuanced than that right this idea that every white person is just privileged and thus every non-white person is on you know is somehow some kind of like that that whole narrative i'm just like look i i think i kind of get what people are supposed to mean by it but but the term itself and not just the term but the way people use it i do not agree with and i don't i don't like it i don't think it's good for i don't think it's good for white people to go around wanting to self-flagellate themselves for things that they didn't do and don't necessarily have i think it's very cruel to tell someone who is actually underprivileged or oppressed but happens to be white or happens to be poor or whatever and you're then telling them that they've supposedly got some some kind of privilege right i I live in the uk vast majority of homeless people here i'm sure it's same in australia vast majority are white guys right how am I going to go go talk to someone like that and say, oh, yeah, this person has some sort of privilege or advantage over me when, when it's so clearly, so clearly false, right? Um, so, yeah, I've gone against the, the principle in multiple interviews where I've been asked about it. And now I get people who are saying, people say stuff like, oh, Zuby, oh, he's the guy who thinks racism doesn't exist, isn't he? Like, well, when did I say that racism <laughs> not? Yeah. Or... Uh, someone, someone the other day on Instagram said, oh, in your, um, in your interview with Ben Shapiro, you said that uh, police brutality doesn't exist. I was like, did I? No, no, I didn't, right? Or Zuby said this, or Zuby said, and I'm like, look, if you're gonna, if you're gonna quote me, at least say what I said. I, I know what I said, and I know that never in my life have I claimed that racism does not exist. Have I said that in the grand scheme of things, in 2020, I don't think it's a super major issue in the UK or in the USA. 
like it would have been 50 years ago? Yes, I, I do say that. Have I said it totally doesn't exist? Of course not. I have spoken about it myself. So how am I saying it doesn't exist? So that, that's, that's frustrating because I think that comes from, um, that's where I think it, it's quite nefarious. You know, I think that comes from a, from a bad place when people misrepresent you in that way. I feel like this is, this is sort of a concept that I've had for some time and, and the way I sort of think about when it comes to racism, sexism, all those type of things is, and I've often questioned myself about it. Maybe I just don't, I just haven't experienced those people, like the, the real racists of the world. And maybe that's why I don't think it's as, uh, not that I'm, as, as, as you said, not that I'm saying that racism isn't a thing, but like this whole deep misogyny that apparently exists and this, this male privilege and all these different types of things. Mm. Maybe I just have an experience and that's something that I sort of tussle with in my own mind mm. um, because in my, my household, you know, and the household I grew up in, we accept just anything, yeah. whoever you are, as long as you're a good person, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure there's people that aren't like that. And I'm sure you've encountered that and, and <clears throat> I wouldn't doubt that for a second, but it's, it's, I just think people don't give each other enough credit because I think genuinely most people are good people. Exactly. It depends on, look, it depends on where people put their focus. Let's say that 1% of people are actually racist, okay? 1%, yeah, sure, that's, you know, maybe that's a, that's a, that's a made-up number. And I, actually, in reality, in the UK, in terms of, like, actual sort of true racism, I, I would estimate that the percentage is, is far lower than that. But let's say it's 1%. Thing is, if you put all your focus on that 1% and you use that 1% to then say that the entire country or an entire demographic of people or whatever holds these views or that it's super common amongst them, then that's, that's going to paint the way you see and experience the world really differently to how it would be if you focus on the 99%. You know what I mean? And the thing, the thing with it as well now is because these terms have so much power, because there are, there are entire billion pound, billion dollar industries that rely on the existence or at least the perception of racism, sexism, homophobia, et cetera. You have all these lobbies, you have activists, you have politicians who literally run on these platforms. So they need to convince you, right? They, they want me to believe that I live in a deeply systemic, institutional, racist society, because then that might get me to join their cause or vote for them or whatever the case may be. And it's like there's so much there's actually money in it right there are people who are professional race hustlers right they just write books about it they write blogs they make entire podcasts where they just talk about racism or they just talk about sexism in society and feminism and whatever right if you actually you know they, they, it's almost like it's weird it's like they rely on this thing existing and when it doesn't exist or where they can't find it that's when they start reaching right that's when they start making stuff up or they start saying that certain items of food or certain haircuts or certain like drinks are racist you know when someone starts saying that milk is a racist drink like, how am i then supposed to take you seriously right I, I, have you ever seen that one it said that milk was a racist <laughs> drink <laughs> oh you missed this you, you missed the whole thing about white uh, milk being the the, li the link between milk and white supremacy go, go on google go on google after this and just google oh, google mate, i will <laughs> go, go, google google milk and white supremacy and you'll find legitimate articles and blogs about how milk is racist basically because um a lot of black and brown people are lactose intolerant so supposedly milk is a symbol of white supremacy because most white people have lactase enzyme because, because because, but you, you have to read like it's one of like i said it sounds it sounds satirical it sounds totally ridiculous but i'm like look if this is where you need to reach then you're kind of making my point when you're just or or when they're just targeting individuals and saying that person's racist that person's sexist that and it's like look they've started they've resorted to calling brown and black people white supremacists right they're now saying that multi, white supremacy is now multi-ethnic right because now you, apparently you have asian people and black people who are also white supremacists because they're not raging sjw's and not it's one, hilarious it's hilarious <laughs> but it, it's just it's just so far gone it's just ridiculous and it frustrates me because it does distract from the real problem it's, it's like look if you want to actually tackle 
legitimate cases, then cool. We can, when, when these ones pop up, we can focus on them and we can tackle these specific instances. But if you're just going to be ridiculous and just scream these words at anything and everything, then you can only cry wolf so many times. There was a story that came out uh, today in Australia and a really horrifying story. It was about a man who uh, uh, was having uh, a, obviously a very violent man. Um, he poured a can of petrol on his entire family and they all, they all unfortunately died and, wow. and uh, he died. And, and it was one of these things where you read and you just go, Oh my God, like, yeah. what do you do? That's such a horrific, that's a game of Thrones sort of scenario. It's just terrible. And this, this lady, this Clementine Ford I was talking about before, she jumped on and said, this is an, another example of, uh, of, of, of men, men doing this, men doing that. And, and I, I couldn't believe that she would. And so I'm going to make a video about it next week. Just saying this dude did not do this because he's a man. This man is, is an ex rugby league player. He's probably got enormous amount of brain injuries going on Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. He's a, effing psycho yeah and he's done this to his poor defenseless children and his wife like a grub of the highest order mm. and and you're using that as, as an example to push your narrative that men are evil it's like f word you yeah yeah it's, <laughs> you it's not it cool. just no it's not it just no. makes me angry and it's a cheap shot that's it's, what it is. Yeah. That's what so j- just upsets me about this one particular person. And it's not just her, the whole, I, I follow mm. a lot of feminists on, on Twitter because I'm <laughs> crazy. And, um, and, and it's the general consensus that this is a patriarchal thing that is yeah. happening. Men think they can get away with this. Mm. No one thinks they can get away with exactly, that. Exactly. No, that's ridiculous. No. And, and it also has the, the suggestion that the vast majority of men are somehow complicit in this or that like we don't stand. Like we agree. Yeah. It's like, like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. You know, it's like they make it somehow, they somehow make it fra- frame it as if like the vast majority of men are sort of in favor of like rape or sexual assault or violence against women or what it's like, no, who is, who are the people who are like physically trying to stop that? Like are the vast majority of people who perpetrate these crimes men? Yes, that is a fact. The vast majority of violent criminals are men, but that doesn't mean the vast majority of men are violent criminals very very far from it right most of the people trying to stop that from happening and the people who are arresting people and putting people in prison are also men right i don't know it's just um you you see it happen i think i think that is one of the that's one of my least favorite things actually that you just touched on which is when people use tragedy to push their blatant agendas you know like Mm. when, when there's a mass shooting for example in the usa or something happens in people are immediately just people only want to find out about the details so that they can see whether or not they can politicize it to make their point. Right. They want to find out, Oh, what was the, what was the religion or the ideology or the race of the person involved? Like that's the first thing they care about. They're not thinking crap. This is horrible. This awful thing happened. Like let's feel sad about the victims. It's just, Ooh, does this go along with my narrative? And I just find that extremely distasteful. I just, it's just, I don't know that that's the, that's one thing that sort of not very much upsets me, but when I see stuff like that happen, I'm like, come on, man, like, this is not, this is not the time. It's something that plays on my mind too, because I want to make a video about that, but I also don't want to be seen as someone who's pushing what I have to say and trying Mm. to benefit from views because of that being a recent event. But also I, 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 you know, this is my argument in my head. I'm like, I need to say something because no one else is daring to say anything because they're terrified of everyone, you know, um, saying this is you're a horrible person for disagreeing with the woman in this in, Clementine Ford in this position because she's a woman and the woman and the victim was a woman. Man, it, it's it's such a for a lot of people, thankfully not us, but for a lot of people, they are, are tiptoeing uh, along life along mm. a tightrope of, mm. of of cancellation and 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 um, labelled or isms and all that all that type of stuff. And, yeah, and it's a scary it's a scary time of life. But also, in saying that, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you exactly. I'm with you exactly. And I think what you're doing, man, Isaac, it's it's important. You know, don't um, I don't think you do, but don't underestimate uh how much how much power is in it, both from the side of humor, from the side of commentary, and also just letting people know, kind of letting people know they're not alone and that the entire world isn't just totally crazy and i find that by people who are who have an audience and who are public figures by you speaking up on certain things it actually emboldens and encourages other people 
to do the same. And I think that that's really what's needed so that 95% of the population is not sort of being held hostage by this really loud, shouty, angry 5%, because that's what seems to be going on right now. Absolutely, mate. And, uh, and thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. And uh, I've, I've enjoyed getting to, to know you over the last couple of months in, 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 our, in our limited uh, capacity. And I, I look forward to catching up to you, with you, whether it's in the UK or the US. I'll, I'll buy you a cock, no milk, of course, um, <laughs> uh, because I'm not a racist. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, but no, keep doing you, brother. I really appreciate have, uh, you having me on, my man. I appreciate it, man. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me and destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a bang, click and I bang, y'all gonna remember the name. Y'all gonna remember the name. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.